We are in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As I mentioned this morning, we'll come to the Lord's table or it will come to you in the pews in just a few moments. And we have open communion in our fellowship. If you're visiting this morning, we ask only that you would be able and willing to live under the invitation that's placed in the bulletin. And then we would invite you to partake with us as those elements are passed in the pews. Before we do that, let me let me say goodbye to Philippians with you. And we read the end of that particular book just now. But let me jump back to last week and recap what we said there. And, uh, and then we're going to move on and close out this book. Probably one of the most significant things in all of the years of ministry that I've said at Richland was was probably summarized last week in what I shared with you because you really can't understand where I'm coming from as the pastor of this church and where I think the leadership is coming from if if you don't understand what we talked about last week or at least hear it and begin to chew on it like we did last week. I spent uh, several months, really a couple of years in my Sunday school class quite a while back going through what I called a theology of suffering. And how we ought to view suffering as, as Christians and how we ought to respond to it. Uh, both the suffering that comes from persecution and the suffering that might come from, uh, from disease and the brokenness of our world. And, and I would put both of those things in the same category. And that's really what we talked about last week some, particularly in a couple of promises that if we don't understand it and look at it through that lens, I think can be distorted. And so let me take you back to those two verses. First of all, verse 13 of chapter uh, 4 of Philippians, where it says this, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, Paul made that statement, as we said last week, in the context of the Philippian church sending aid to him. And he was sending thank you back to them, not to somehow manipulate them to send more aid, but to say to them, I'm grateful for your gift. I'm grateful for your generosity. In fact, I, I just believe God will bless you for it. But I'm okay if that's all that comes because I've learned something. I've learned the secret of contentment, of having plenty or being in need. Whatever case it is, I've learned how to live there. And the way I've learned how to live there is what he says in verse 13, because I can do all things, whether live in plenty or live in need, through him who strengthens me. And as we said last week, You can't understand that unless you understand the whole book of Philippians and Paul's heartbeat, which was early on stated in which was the verse that was in your bulletin and is in your bulletin this morning. Whether I live or die, my desire, Paul would say, is that Christ might be honored or magnified in my body. In other words, his desire was that Christ would be seen for who he is by the way he lived his life. And therefore... Paul was confident that that would happen and God would give him all the strength that he needed to do that. That's what he's talking about. I can do all things. Don't distort the all things. Don't take it too far. Sometimes we see that statement plastered on on all kinds of posters. And I think it's taken way out of context. 
The all things that Paul was talking about was the all things he needed to magnify Christ, whether by life or by death. And he thought it was going to be life, but he knew it wouldn't be long. Death was coming. And, and he also, later on in this, tells us the way that God does it. And we talked about that way. How does God strengthen us? And if we take another verse that can be taken out of context, we find it in verse 19. And in verse 19, we read these words, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It goes back to the grace of God in Christ. And what Paul believed was this, and I summarize it, and you'll need to get the message to get it all. Can't fill it all in. But I believe Paul had a confidence, and this is my confidence when I take a verse like this. This is what I believe it says. That God will give me all the grace I need in everything I do to live for His glory. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, the promise I think here that we can take to the bank is that God will give you all the grace you need in every circumstance, in every moment that that occurs, to live for His glory as you receive it from Him, as you cast yourself on Him. He will give you all the grace, all the sufficiency. And I think grace, He's talking about all the strength you need by His grace to live for the glory of God. That is what I think it's saying. And as last week, we went a bit further and we took some other verses and tied them in. Let me read a commentary to you that maybe we'll just put a cap on this. Because I believe that when he says every need, he, he, he means things like this. I will give you enough food to keep you enduring to the end. Remember the passage we pulled out from Matthew chapter 6 that says that don't worry about what you wear or what you will eat. That God gives it to the birds and he'll give it to you. Well, how much? So that, so that you will be bloated? No, I think what he gives us is so that we will not deny our faith, that we will magnify Christ to the end. Now, let me read a commentary about that from another. And keep Matthew 6 in mind. That's, the, that's what I just referenced. It says this, What then does Jesus mean? All things, all your food and clothing will be added to you when you seek the kingdom of God first, which is out of Matthew 6. It means the same thing he meant when he said, Some of you, some of you, they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Remember that in Luke? In other words, we, we said, Some of you will be put to death, and then it goes on to say, But not a hair of your head will perish. So how do you reconcile those two things? It's one or the other. I don't think so. Jesus meant both. So he meant some of you will die, but not a hair of your head will perish. He meant that you will have everything you need to do his will and be eternally and supremely happy in him. This commentator goes on to say, how much food and clothing are necessary? Necessary for what, we must ask? Necessary to be comfortable? No, Jesus did not promise comfort. Necessary to avoid shame? No, Jesus called us to bear shame for his name with joy. Necessary to stay alive? No, he did not promise to spare us death of any kind. Persecution and plague consume the saints. Christians die on the scaffold and Christians die of disease. 
That's why Paul wrote, We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies, which comes out of Romans. What Jesus meant was that our Father in heaven would never let us be tested beyond what we are able. If there is one scrap of bread that you need as God's child in order to keep your faith in the dungeon of starvation, you will have it. God does not promise enough food for comfort or life. He promises enough food that you can trust Him and do His will. You see why I think that promise says enough grace, enough grace, enough strength, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do to do it to the glory of God. And sometimes that means dying for the glory of God. There are people literally who are Christians who die of starvation. Is it because they have less faith? No. No, you can't do that. Only, only if we look through Western American eyes can we say those kinds of things. You can't say that to people in the Sudan who literally are dying as Christians of starvation. He goes on to say, When Paul promised my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he had just said, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and of hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, what he just said was a commentary on the very verses I pulled out. All things means I can suffer hunger through him who strengthens me. I can be destitute of food and clothing through him who strengthens me. That is what Jesus promises. He will never leave us or forsake us. If we starve, he will be our everlasting life-giving bread. If we are shamed with nakedness, he will be our perfect, all-righteous apparel. If we are tortured and made to scream in dying pain, he will keep us from cursing his name and restore our beaten body to everlasting beauty. Don't distort those promises. Don't distort when Paul says, I've learned the secret of plenty or need because God strengthens me. And if you lead later by his grace, according to Christ Jesus, don't, don't take them out of context. I think this is the context. And this is the truth of those promises. And they are precious promises. You see, when it says, some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. He's talking about eternal perishing. He's talking about committing apostasy, denying the faith kind of perishing. And the confidence and hope we can have in our God is that he will supply every need we have to not do that. He who began a good work will complete that work to the end. And give us all the grace we need. That's my confidence. That's my hope. That's where I rest. When I trust Him, I trust Him for that. I hope you do the same. Now, I closed last week with this verse. And then I want to move on to something else. We're going to come to the table to tie it all together. In 1 Peter 1, verses 4 through 11. Remember I... Or excuse me, 1 Peter 4, 1 to 11. there's There's a verse in there... I said that wrong again. First Peter um, 4.11 says this. Whoever serves, serve by the strength God supplies in order that in everything 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The reason I think that's true, what I said before about him giving us all the grace we need, is because it goes back to the idea of the giver getting the glory. God gets the glory when he is the sustaining strength of his people. And sometimes he can be the sustaining strength of his people in bringing healing. In a God can heal. Somebody has a physical ailment. I think we should pray that God might heal them. That he might give them a foretaste of what he's going to perfectly do one day. There's nothing wrong with that. And God can be glorified in that because he's the giver of the healing. But he can be equally glorified by giving the grace to walk through the brokenness without denying our faith. And I think sometimes, in most cases, he's even more glorified when we live there because the world sees our dependence more fully on him in those circumstances. We've talked about that before. It comes right out of Colossians chapter 1 where we make up what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. That passage, I think God is oftentimes most glorified in His sustaining grace in the midst of horrific kinds of circumstances. But let me go on and close this now with the text that was read this morning. The very last words that Pastor Jason read to you are these. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's the way Paul closed Philippians. What did he mean? Well, I think he means just what we said. May the grace of God go with you. May it strengthen you to do whatever you do to the glory of God. And it wasn't just an afterthought for Paul. If you look at every one of his books, every one of the books that Paul has written, from Romans to Philemon, you go home this afternoon or do it this week, you look at the end of every book and you look at the beginning of every book. And in one way or another, he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He says it at the beginning and he says it at the end. He may tweak it just a little bit, but in every case you will find the word grace at the beginning and grace at the end. And Paul is praying a blessing upon the people at the beginning and the end of every book the same way. Now, why? Because it's significant. It wasn't an afterthought. Paul did everything intentionally. He meant it. He meant for the Philippian people now to have the grace of God be with them, with their spirit, to strengthen them. Know what it is to live by the grace of God, the strength that God provides. That's the way we're to live the Christian life. It's the way we come into the Christian life. It's the way we live the Christian life. And by His grace, it's the way we die in the Christian life. That is the pattern that we have in the Scriptures. And what He's saying at the end is more grace. May God give you more grace. May He extend it to you. May you live by it. I I close this with this this morning. And it comes out of... um, our weekend retreat last week, and I, I asked a few guys, do you remember this this morning? And none of those guys stayed till Saturday morning, so they didn't remember it. But some of you did. Um, we had our biggest group on, on Saturday, or Friday night. Some had to leave. But on Saturday morning, I think our speaker said one of the most significant things that he said the whole weekend, at least for me. It was the thing I wrote down from the retreat. And he made the statement after giving an illustration. And the illustration he gave is, you're at home, 
you're in a tense situation with a family member, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, and the phone rings. And the illustration he gave is, is how your tone changes as you answer the phone. You can all relate to that, can't you? Ever had that happen? Pretty tense. And oh, you know what I mean, don't you? We all know what we mean. We've all been there. Now, that's not all bad. You don't need to carry everything everywhere else. But it's not all good. And what he said by that, this is the illustration he was making, is Jesus did not die. This is what I took. Jesus did not die to improve my acting ability. He did not die to improve my acting ability. He died to extend grace to me and strength to me to make it a reality in my life. Not something I paint on. Does that make sense? My desire as I left there is, Lord, help me. Help me to live by your grace. The grace that it talks about here. May God's grace be with you. May you live by it. Christianity is not about acting ability. It's about transformation. It's about God changing us and empowering us and strengthening us to go a different direction and live for His glory. And so when Paul said that, he wasn't, he wasn't saying, improve your acting ability. He was saying, may the grace of God come. May more grace be poured out on your people that they may live out this life of faith, this integrity, and by my spirit and by my strength. Let me share a couple of verses that may help in this. These two passages of Scripture now, we, this, is, this is a bit of a commercial for what's out on the table in this Scripture memory church-wide program that we're going to be involved in. You don't have to buy materials out there to be a part of that. You've got an insert in your bulletin. It's been there two or three weeks. You can use your own Bibles. You don't have to have any supplements, but there are supplements if you want them. But here, here's what we need to do. I just said to you that Paul said, may the, may the grace of God go with your spirit. And, and you think, what? Well, I understand what grace is, God's unmerited favor, but does grace really mean strength? I mean, I understand grace is something unmerited. We get it freely, but, but where do you get this idea that it's actually strength? That what Paul is saying, may more grace come to you, may more strength come to you. Grace, because I do that a lot. I think grace does mean strength. But it doesn't matter if I, if I think that, if it's not true, if it's not scriptural, if it's not coming out of his word. So let me read a couple of verses that bolster this thought. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table. First one comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, beginning at verse 10. Um, Paul, before that, is talking about being the least of... of uh, um, of the apostles kind of and talking about some of that. But then he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was, that is with me. You see, that's talking about something more than just a, a status an unmerited status of grace. It's talking about something tangible. Paul says, 
I worked harder than any of them, though not I, but the grace of God that is with me. How did he work harder? By the strength God provided him. By the grace, by the strength, by the power. You see, that's what that scripture is saying. And then there's one even more powerful, and we gave this out of my Sunday school class. Some of you will recognize this. Some of you may have this in your Bible. But if you turn over to Second um, Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, this, this is a powerful verse. It says it even, even more powerfully. And it's the kind of thing that you need to have so that it readily comes to your mind. This is the scripture memory part of this. So when you're in a difficult circumstance, what do you do? You just hope, hope that it's true or do you, do you grab onto scripture? I hope this scripture is one you'll grab onto. And I'm, and I'm not look, but I'm confident it's in that packet back there. This is it. This, listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And what is the good work? To live to the glory of God. But it says, all grace abound. Something of substance, of strength power all grace abound it will come to you a strength will come to you from god that you will have all sufficiency in all things at all times all inclusive you see the promise that god will meet every need of ours is that he will make all grace abound to you at all times that you might live for the glory of god That's where I think he wants the church to live. Do we do it perfectly? No. But we certainly won't do it at all if we don't see it this way. May God help us. And may we realize that what this table represents to us this morning is that all of that resides in what we know of Christ. He is the one. The grace in Christ Jesus He's the one who extends it. God is the one who gives it. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you need sufficiency. But God promises it to you. All grace will abound as we look to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we just pray this morning that You will help us. Lord, I pray as we look to this table... That, that we, will, we will feign just letting Christianity affect our acting ability. That, Lord, we will run from that, but we will really run after you and say, Lord, we want, we want change in our heart. We want, Lord, your grace to come and affect us and change us and transform us. We want to know what it means to have all sufficiency At all times, as the grace of God abounds to us, and we know it is a reality, when the pressure comes on, that rather than turning to other things, we turn to you. And to know the reality of of that soul-strengthening grace coming to us. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, and forgive us. Cause us to come in repentance this morning for 
for seeking and, and uh, settling for anything less. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for those who are going to help us to distribute the elements, if you'd come this morning. We're going to sing together as we receive these elements. They'll come to you in the pew, first the bread and then the juice, and we would ask for you to hold them, contemplate this whole idea of all that they are and all they mean to us about the grace of God in Christ, and we'll partake together. Represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. Jesus said to take this in remembrance of Him.
for us. The apex of the glory of God is in the face of Christ. And what we see in that face is grace. Grace not only that cares for our sin, not only grace that, that uh, substitutes our sin for His righteousness and the atonement and justification and new birth, but also strengthening grace for His people. Grace that gives us all sufficiency at all times to do the glory of God. Let's take and eat and be grateful. Christ. Scripture says without the shedding of blood could be no remission of sin. No grace could have come at all to us except by this sacrifice. But because of it, because God didn't spare His own Son, with Him graciously He promised to give us all things, which is the strength to live out lives for the glory of God. Take and we'll drink together.
pray this morning as we uh, as we partake of this that that God will help us not not our acting ability but radically help us to look to him you see part of it is we just we just sometimes don't ask we don't look to him we don't we don't think about it and so we run off and try to do it on our own that's not the way God wants it to be. He wants us. He wants us to look to Him. He, he beckons us to call to Him. He wants to be the giver of all the grace we need, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, to do it all for His glory. Take and drink. Let's stand together this morning. Lord Paul put it this way when he said, From you and through you and to you are all things. It doesn't leave anything out, including how we live out this life of faith. So Lord, we just cast ourselves anew and afresh on the one who wants to graciously give us all the grace we need to live out this life of faith. I pray, Father, even this week, even this week, it will make a difference in how we walk this walk of faith as we think about, as we're reminded to look to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.